Would you turn with me to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1? The Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. We're just going to be reading a few verses and looking briefly this morning as uh, we have communion a little bit later and want to take time to celebrate that. At uh, Jesus' call to discipleship. Last week we started this series that will take us throughout the summer. We noted that previously we had talked about evangelism, and along the way I mentioned a couple of times, I believe, that, that Jesus didn't want just believers in him, but he wanted followers. He wanted people who would invest their lives and, and learn from him and be followers of him and then take that ministry that, that he taught them about and trained them for and that uh, they would in, in turn then um, share that and make disciples of other people. And so we talked a little bit about the idea of growing from disciples into disciple makers, that that's the role of, of a Christian. We're called not just to be disciples of Jesus, but we're called to grow to the point where we're replacing ourselves, if you will, uh, continuing that uh, that relay race from the empty tomb of Jesus, proclaiming that he's alive and what that means for our lives as we train others and continue that down the generations. And as we mentioned last week, we're only one generation away from stopping that uh, passing down of, of uh, our faith to others. And so we need to be the generation that continues on, uh, even as uh, the first disciples started it, we continue that race uh, proclaiming that Jesus is Lord. And so as we do that, we're exploring what does that mean? What does that look like for, for us, most of us not seminary trained or anything like that, what does it look like for us to be disciple makers? We understand what Jesus was doing when he made disciples. What, what about us? And so we're spending some time looking at that. Last week we looked at the first phase of Jesus' disciple-making, and we said we can learn from Jesus. And that first phase was simply come and see. Come and spend some time with me, Jesus said, experience who I am. But that phase was eventually going to give way to the second one that we look at this morning, and that is come and follow me. At a certain point, there needs to be a commitment, a decision uh, that is made to not just experience Jesus, but to follow him. And that's what we're going to look at uh, this morning. We, it, it's kind of interesting because we're going to look at the call of some disciples. And if you just looked at Mark, you would assume that this is the first time they've met Jesus. And this is a, a call kind of out of blue, the blue. And yet, as we saw in John last week, Jesus had already called a couple of them. Simon and Andrew by name, but probably others as well. And so what's going on here? Are, are uh, John and Mark's accounts fighting each other with what was the first uh, uh, time that Jesus called his disciples? What is going on? And so that's what we want to look at uh, also as we look at Jesus' call to come and follow me. So just a few verses, Mark 1, 16 to 20. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, 
And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Before we look at God's Word, let's come to God in prayer. God, the Holy Spirit, you inspired these words written by Mark, even as the earlier ones that we looked at last week by John and, and the events, and you, you put these events together for our uh, learning how to be disciples as well. And so we pray that even as you uh, inspired the original writers, that you would inspire uh, the Word to each one of us today so that we may not only understand it, but we may know what you want us to do with it. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was fairly new to my second church, I got involved in a community project that involved, among other things, fundraising. One day when we were having a meeting, one of the key fundraisers came up to me and said, I just met with your competition. I said, what do you mean? And she said that she had met with a pastor of another church. And I said, he's not my competition. He's my colleague in ministry. Soon after that, I heard Dr. Leonard Schlesinger of the Harvard Business School speak at a church leadership conference and he said that the church's competition is not other churches, but every alternative use of time a person has at his or her disposal. The church's competition is not other churches, but every alternative use of time that a person has at his or her disposal. So of all the options out there, why would anyone give up valuable time to play a role in the church? That's the question of this morning's message and Scripture passage. Last week we saw Jesus in the first phase of discipling. Come and see. A few disciples spent some time with him and their eyes were opened. Well, when these disciples left Jesus to return to fishing, they were left with a contrast between two totally different worlds. Jesus left his new disciples with the question, should I follow him? Should I follow him? They knew the day would come when they were going to have to choose either whether to live for the world or live for Jesus. And it was this clear-cut choice that was presented to his disciples now in the passage we read this morning. So why did those disciples immediately drop everything and follow Jesus? And why would anyone in this world today, with all the things that vie for our time and attention, drop the baggage of the world to follow Jesus, to join us? Well, first, the first answer is because they had already been with Jesus. They'd already been with Jesus, possibly spent up to four months on and off, according to the gospel, the early chapters of the Gospel of John. As they were following Jesus early on, they had seen the power of God in the miracle at the wedding of Cana, at Cana. They had witnessed the anger of God at the hypocritical religion when Jesus cleansed the temple. They'd heard the challenge of God to Nicodemus the Pharisee to move out of the shadows and into the light. And they had a front row seat at the, of the grace of, to the grace of God as Jesus broke tradition to speak to a Samaritan woman at a well. 
And yet they'd also been confronted with the mission of God, Jesus, where Jesus calls them to be part of harvesting men and women for his kingdom. Now that just takes us through the first cha- four chapters of John, but by now the disciples probably had urgent business at home. They're probably the dad, dad was waiting for them to join the fishing business again. And so there's no more mention of the disciples in John for a bit as Jesus continues his mission on his own. They probably headed back to their towns as Jesus gave them time to, to think about the critical spiritual question. A critical spiritual question. Which is more important? My occupation of fishing or answering the call to the harvest? Undoubtedly, their exposure to Jesus had dominated their thoughts. They couldn't get them out of their minds. Stories of Jesus were the was the conversation topic around the dinner table. They, they had thoughts of harvest as they worked on their nets. I'd guess that perhaps even their work started to lose its joy and fulfillment. Suddenly the fish began to stink. Mending nets seemed trivial. Hours in a boat, unbearable. And they found their minds wandering back to Jesus time and again. Charles Spurgeon once told his seminary students, if you can be happy doing anything other than preaching, by all means do it. But if all else apart from this holy task blurs into insignificance, then respond to the call. Well, the disciples were at that point. And making disciples is also our call one given to us in the Great Commission. When Jesus said, go, and as you're going, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them everything I've commanded you. And I'll go with you. I'm with you always. That's a call that wasn't just for those first disciples. That's a call that continues to us today. But we have to be very clear that we will not be the ones to convince people to come into the kingdom, to convince people to become a disciple. We will not be the ones. It's only as we help disciples see Jesus and experience him in their lives that they'll drop the baggage of the world for something and someone far more important. So first, the the first phase is important. Come and see. Experience Jesus. Spend some time with, with uh, Jesus' followers in the church and the like. That's, that's an important step one. But that's not it. There's more to it. And the second reason I think they'd followed Jesus at this point was that he gave them an invitation, not a responsibility, at least at first. They gave them an invitation and not a responsibility. Follow me is a simple invitation. Notice what Jesus did not say, at least right away. He did not say, follow me and I will make you leaders and preachers. He did not say, Peter, the future of the church is in your hands. You'll give the inaugural sermon for the church at Pentecost and be its first pope. Certainly didn't say that last part. He did not say, John, you will be persecuted and imprisoned for my sake. Jesus knew they weren't ready for such information or responsibility, they had to be prepared. And in fact, Jesus 
assumed the full responsibility himself. Notice what he says. Follow me and I will make you. I will make you. He would bear the weight of their training. He wouldn't ask anything of them that he himself had not shown them. So Jesus' primary method of discipling was exposing them over and over again to ministry opportunities that he initiated and he modeled for them. Today, new disciples come into a church, they come into a Bible study or small group or into maybe a, a personal discipling relationship. They come on the basis of a simple invitation. The discipler takes on the responsibility to train them. And so, as a church, as disciple makers, we need to take seriously our responsibility to train people to know their spiritual gifts, to train them to do ministries, to grow, train them to grow in the faith. That's why God gave certain spiritual gifts as equipping gifts. As the Apostle Paul notes in Ephesians 4, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. There are some people who are are ordained to do specifically that sort of training mission, and yet all of us are called to be disciples, and all of us are called in, in our own way to not only make disciples, but to baptize them, that is, bring them into the church and teach them through our lives, through bringing them into connection with some of these uh, people with equipping gifts and the like, to be disciples themselves. So the disciples dropped everything to follow Jesus, first because they had been with him previously. Secondly, he, because he gave them an invitation, not yet a responsibility, and promised that he would train them for the responsibilities that would come. But there's one more reason without which they may have considered Jesus' call boring. Why would we want to do that? And that is that Jesus called them to a vision not to a job. Jesus called them to a vision, not to a job. I once heard about a, a disillusioned executive who said, I have learned much over the last 40 years. Unfortunately, most of it's about aluminum. One of the man's greatest fears is that his life wouldn't count, that he looked back at his investment of time and effort and concluded it was a waste of time. Now, it wasn't necessarily a waste of time for him to learn about aluminum and to be a good salesman of it or a producer of it. It's not a waste of time to do any of the jobs that we have as long as we remember what Paul says, that we do our work as to the Lord and not working for men. And that we also spend time focusing on discipleship, focusing on the church. But when Jesus calls a person... It's to a purpose, not just a job. It's to a purpose. It's to a dream. It's to a goal, to a life-changing vision, to be a fisher of men, to expand the kingdom of God, to bring God's kingdom more and more into the lives of people and into our world. Nothing is as exhilarating as getting out of bed 
going out into the world and knowing why. That this is what I was born for, that this is the way God, why God wired me with my particular personality, spiritual gifts, and passions. That this is God's intended purpose for me. Not that that's easy. We live in a world of reluctant adventurers. One of my favorite scenes in J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit comes when Gandalf pays a visit to Bilbo Baggins, inviting him on an adventure. Gandalf says, I'm looking for someone to share in an adventure that I'm arranging. And it's very difficult to find anyone. To which Bilbo Baggins says, I should think so in these parts. We're a plain, quiet folk and have no use for adventures. Nasty, disturbing, uncomfortable things make you late for dinner. Sorry, I don't want any adventures, thank you. Not today. Good morning. There are a lot of people that don't want adventure. They just want to get through life. But Jesus calls us on the adventure of expanding the kingdom of God in this world until it comes fully when Jesus returns. He's calling millions to follow him on that kingdom adventure. But he only wants those who want to be there. So Jesus made it very easy to say no. And numerous people do. Because being a disciple is a long-term commitment It means finding our marching orders in God's word, finding our our power in prayer and his spirit, finding our encouragement and support from within the fellowship of the church, and finding our ministry in witnessing of his love and grace in our lives. So why would anyone want to give up their valuable time and energy to play a role in the church, to be an active part of God's kingdom? is because they've spent time with Jesus. And because they are invited with the promise of being equipped. And because they have seen the vision that the church is the hope of the world and that they can play a role in it, that they can make an eternal difference. Jesus invites us to follow him and to invite others to do the same. Will we join the adventure? Are we part of that adventure? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your willingness to allow us to be part of your adventure, your kingdom adventure. We pray that we may be willing to commit ourselves to that. We pray that as we, this morning, come around the table And remember what you have done for us through your death on the cross. That we might be further motivated to be part of that adventure with you. To be disciples growing into disciple makers who bring others along with you. Bringing them into the kingdom and bringing the kingdom more and more into our world. Help us to do so by your spirit we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's respond and uh, also prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper this morning uh, by singing, Behold the Lamb. It's number 840 if you're following along and lift up your hearts and we'll sing the first, or we'll sing verses 1 through 4, but let's stand as we sing, Behold the Lamb. Mm-hmm.